Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Voice of Olympus. I'm Hercules Invictus, and I'm greatly honored to announce our Age of Heroes segment with Astrid. And today, Astrid will be focusing on our wellness and contrasting the approaches of natural medicine and pharmaceutical company medicine. Greetings and welcome, Astrid. How are you? Greetings, Hercules. Doing well. And yourself? I'm doing well as well, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this latest installment um, of your uh, medical wisdom. Well, we're going to start very simply and just talking about optimal wellness and what do we need to first to exist. And it always goes back to those four elements, Hercules. You know, we yes, need no. to have we need to have shelter. That's obvious to be kept safe from the elements. You know, from the beginning of time, we need clean air to breathe. We need uh, drinkable water. We need the earth to grow our produce. And, you know, definitely if you're into a, not a vegan and you, need to, you want a, a protein in the meat, you need animal substance, but uh, you also need physical activity. And a lot of these things we have covered particularly the elements in our environmental concerns and the Mm -hmm. importance of the contamination of our elements and how it affects our health and how important it is to be proactive and educated and informed. Oh, very, very true. And uh, we are responsible uh, in part for what's going on in this uh, planet. So uh, anything we can do to ensure that we have those basic necessities for life, we have to do for ourselves and for future generations. Most definitely. And if any of our listeners want to delve into the elements and all the things that we have discussed in prior uh, blogs concerning the importance of of watching what you're ingesting or breathing and how you can uh, be proactive 
that you, they can go to your, your website and look at um, the different um, episodes we've had and things you have archived from the Elysium Project. Yes, and although it must be noted that we are not medical professionals, these are our own journeys we are sharing, uh, and uh, uh, they're to be uh, uh, taken as uh, our sharing what we've learned and what we're applying in our lives, and it's joyously shared. But again, this isn't a, um, a, a doctor show. We do have doctors on the show. <laughs> And we also have other medical professionals, both traditional and non-traditional. Uh, but uh, it must be said that uh, for all of us, this is a journey, and we're sharing our journey joyously with you. Most definitely, because, as we all know, we're individuals. We all yes. have our own genetic traits, which is a big factor. And then we have uh, our, our familial situations that come along, uh, according to where the environment in which we live in. And and then things that come along that, that happen because of either our gender or our age. There are so many different aspects that are affect, affect our health, and it starts from infancy until the end of our journey on this planet, and it changes constantly. And that's why we have to keep up with information, be very proactive, research, and see what – because what works for you and I – may not work right. for the next person, whether it be exercise or whether it be, or you know, the kind of medication we take or other alternative medications. Uh, it's very important that you re- basically research everything and discuss it with a, a trusted doctor. And I do say trusted because it's very hard to find someone who listens and does the research for you and refers you to specialists when you need them, and who also takes the time to look at your own individual um, aspects of your life and your health and, and perform a physical, a physical on you and do specific blood work. Uh, right. And that's the really important thing, because you and I have talked about this before, that keeping healthy means seeing a doctor, whether it's a GP or a holistic doctor or a nutritionist, you have to make that decision. But you have to do it um, often in the sense that you have to see in terms of uh, when something comes along that you feel a doctor needs to um, do some further tests. Um, blood work analysis is really important. And then where do you go from there? So let's talk a little bit about the doctor. There are different ways you can, I don't know that many people that are happy with their doctor, first of all, Hercules. Mm -hmm. I I can understand that. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, if it comes down to your regular doctor, a pediatrician for your child or a, um, a, a, a GP for yourself and then that can refer you to a specialist. I am extremely lucky that I found a phenomenal GP who takes the time to listen and who um, will um, be very, very cautious about everything in terms of um, doing the right tests or maybe we need to look further into this or do that. But blood tests are, are, are a funny thing. Because you go to your doctor, and most doctors will say, okay, I'm going to do the routine blood tests. And that would be your CBC, which is a complete blood count, uh, mm-hmm. basic, meta- um, basic metabolic panel, and then a thyroid panel, and then nutrient tests for levels of certain uh, 
areas you that you might have too much of or a deficiency in and it's, you really can't tell unless you have the blood work you know that and the doctor will determine that in terms of um your um symptoms that you're having you know so some things can have multiple tests so uh so there are different symptoms. So some tests you can just have just like that, and other ones you have that fasting. Things like cholesterol tests, blood sugar, blood sugar tests, liver function, kidney function, even the metabolic panel, and glucose tests. So you have to have the fasting there, and that usually just water, and it's either 8 or 12 hours, depending on uh, the particular test. Mm-hmm. Um there are other tests as well, but it's your doctor that orders them during a physical checkup or appointment that's intended for a specific condition. They're usually covered by insurance. Notice I said usually. Usually, yeah. Yeah, there's certain tests that they don't want to pay for. You know, It used to be a lot more liberal, but in the past, I don't know, I'd say about five to ten years, they, they get worse every year in terms of what they will um you know, pay for. And uh, usually they'll come up, the doctor will say, well, I'm concerned they have to have codes. Some things have to be pre-authorized. Insurance Mm -hmm. is always an issue. But um, they do basic things, and then they'll check other things as well. You know, your your blood urea and the nitrogen, your creatine. Most people don't even know the tests that that they're taking or what the range is, because there are ranges that are specific and there are they're specific according to your age and your gender and um particular things that you may be exhibiting you know they'll say well this is too high for this you have this condition so this is too high or too low but there are ranges and you could basically google and see you know the tests that you're having and and mm-hmm. uh, the, the right kind of range uh, ranges also you can ask your doctor to show you, and I suggest this strongly. Uh, I had blood work done this year, and I had like a couple situations, and and I wanted to see the exact tests, and I wanted to know how they related to other situations in my life, and I wanted to know what the range was. And of course, then I got on online and I started researching through uh, uh-huh. reputable MD sites what is considered normal, but it has to be according to your, again, your age and your gender, because things right. change. They change. So, And that's something I would say that everybody should know and everybody should ask. Well, I want to see, and even say to the doctor, I will want to see the panel results when they come back from the blood work. So that way the doctor is prepared that when you talk to the doctor afterwards, he has that paperwork for you. If it's being done in a hospital or lab, you can even say to them directly, I want a copy for myself besides the doctor. And um, they they usually will do it for you. Sometimes a lab will say, well, the doctor will, uh, will go over right. it with you. But uh, I know I was in a hospital for particular blood work for uh, tests, and I said I wanted to see it, and they gave me a copy of it. So, again, you know, you have to determine the best way to access your information. But don't be shy. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't just trust the doctor. Ask. Ask for further information. Say you want the specifics. Because it's very interesting. And, 
you may even find out things that are related to your family that you were unsure of. Um, that's another thing because familial, it's important to know your your family um, tree in the background and what your relatives have had in terms of illnesses. If there seems to be propensity for high blood pressure or circulatory problems, that's something your doctor should be aware of. And They're not just asking it to be nosy on forms. They really uh-huh. need to know it because it affects uh, what they do in terms of medication and tests, and they'll be a lot more uh, cautious with you in terms of tests. They'll be looking for th- that particular marker, and you could also have genetic testing done, you know, which right. I did with one, two specific things in the family that were completely, you know, they're not related. And luckily, I didn't have the markers. Now, that also has to, you have to see what in terms of, of the cost have to check that out because um, some tests need pre-authorization with your insurance. And it's, mm-hmm. it's good to become friends with your insurance company. You know, call them directly and ask, is this going to be covered? What if I need that? Does this need pre-authorization? Don't just rely on your doctor or the receptionist and doctor's office. Um mm-hmm. Become their friends. Let them know you're interested. Let them know what's going on. And, and even in terms of um, if something be, is rejected by the insurance, call for an appeal. Uh, I was reading somewhere that with insurance companies that um, they're, they're paying less and less on certain tests or for certain things, and they will reject. And it, and very few people will appeal for an yeah. appeal. Very few. Uh, I had a situation where I called and I explained to them that, uh, well, it's cheaper to have done the genetic marker test than to go for an MRI. And then he, he had said to me, well, your doctor, that, that specialist should have preauthorized it. And I said, well, they didn't. Well, guess what? I didn't have to pay. The doctor had to pay because they neglected to do that. So where do you go from the blood work? You you have to basically see if there's a simple resolution. Uh, is there a diagnosis? And you have to see a specialist. How do you choose a doctor? Do you just take your doctor's word for the specialist because they're in network? My suggestion, always do tons of research online. There are different places where you can review the doctors. I know in New Jersey they have like um uh, you can go to New Jersey Monthly or to U.S. World Report and and review doctors. You can actually look up the name of a specific doctor that's been recommended. Uh, but I usually do a lot of research for a specialist and mm-hmm. um, look at their, their skills. I look at their um, um, patient reviews. And I will go through. There's several uh, sites online where you can actually compare the different um, reactions to the doctor, the reviews, or particular things that they're excellent in and what their specialty is. Because even uh-huh. like, for instance, a, a vascular group, there are about seven to nine doctors. There may be one or two that are very proficient in an area that you need, and you want that person. Right. That That's the person you want. There are some really excellent sites online one is called healthline.com i'll send these to you later thank Um, you 
Health Radar, WebMD.com, Mayo Clinic, Harvard Clinic, that you can go to their pages and search for anything. You can look at um, blood tests for, for that are gender or uh, age-oriented. Uh, mm-hmm. You can look for um, vitamins, which vitamin companies are reputable, and supplements because very often with the blood work they'll say, well, you have to increase this vitamin or uh, this supplement. You need to take this supplement. And that's a simple thing, except that you have to really know which supplement is good, just like we've talked about the water, <laughs> bottled uh-huh. water versus you know, water from the tap, and even going the tap water, looking at the tap water according to your zip code. It's the same with vitamins. Uh, which right. vitamin is good? Because there are specifics. You have to start doing your research. Or are you going to be given a medication? Well, if there's a medication, again, you need to check against any allergies you have. You need to check against the other medications you have, and you can do double time on that. You can talk to your doctor about it, but you can also talk to your pharmacist, and then you can go online again, and you can basically look and see what medications have issues, all the side effects, and that that can be very frightening because... um, even when you hear the um, medication ads on the telly, which you don't see that much anymore, isn't that interesting? Because no. they would talk about it, and then all of a sudden they start talking at rapid speed of all the side effects. And it's frightening. Yeah. The, the side <laughs> effects frightening. are frightening. <laughs> I know you get the little pamphlets when you get the meds, but should you even have the med, and that's where each person has to be their own proactive researcher. Um, right. I remember being told to take, you know, for arthritis at a younger age, take Vioxx, take this, take that. And I looked it up, and, and there was some information on it, and I didn't really like it. And that was before Vioxx was pulled off the market. So things, they, they have to be tested. First of all, and then, you know, as well as I do, even with food, you know, you, the first thing they'll do is say, oh, you can change results through diet. But do you remember way back when they said, don't have butter, have margarine. <laughs> and then we find out yeah. that margarine is horrific. It's a petroleum based. Um, do you need this particular supplement? Do you need that medication? Can you, how severe is the situation? You know, and how much of the medication do you need? And which one are you being given? So that's where, once you find out, you need to uh, look into it. I was basically told to take a statin, and I refused. Because the um, side effects of statins are so frightening. And yet... Mm-hmm. There's a huge amount of the population. I think over 40, I forgot how much of the population uh, is on staff. You know, it's, it's frightening. Uh, I've uh, been prescribed medications on time. Then when I researched them online, uh, it seems that uh, some of the side effects uh, are a lot worse <laughs> than anything. Right. Uh, and, and, and you're saying, well why, well, why does your doctor do that? Very simply because. Yeah, make yeah, some of them. First of all, insurance coverage is only through pharmaceuticals, not with supplements. You're paying for that yourself. 
Same with doctors. If you go to a nutritionist, the cost is not picked up by insurance. Um, certain kind of things are covered under insurance. Other ones aren't. That's an issue. The other thing is the pharmaceutical industry is frightening. They, the United States holds over 45% of the global market in pharmaceuticals, close to $500 billion are made. Two big pharma lobbyists are there for every member of Congress. We're talking nearly a billion dollars a year to lobby. That's wow. right. There's only one other um, lobbying group that's larger than pharmaceuticals. The one that's the largest actually are insurance companies. The insurance companies wow. that cover you. That's scary. So that you can see why all this money and information that you're even hearing about things that you you have uh, to vote upon, it's very, very jaded. The information that's out there, you have to be very careful because who is presenting that information to you? Is it someone who's tied to the pharmaceuticals? Is it someone that's tied to industry, like insurances that don't want to see the, the these corporations making less money? You know, that's something to consider. It's things that right. that very often we don't think about. And there are many, many healthy ways to take care of yourself besides meds. Sometimes you don't have a choice, and you have to take a medication. It's life or death. But you should know the effects of the meds. The other thing that's important is how long you can be on that medication. There are certain blood thinners. You cannot be on them more than seven or eight years, or they start to destroy the lining of the veins, the capillaries, and then you have internal bleeding. So it depends on the age, the type of medication, you know, how long you're going to be on it. Is it a lifelong venture, or is it just a temporary thing to get something under control is your issue genetic is it something that can be taken care of you know that that that's uh, through diet and uh, medication that's short range these are all the things we right. have to think about so without even getting into uh, pharmaceuticals versus holistic these are the big things can i change my results through diet well you can look at your diet, see the kind of thing, the problem that you have, and, and research it and listen to your doctor. But then what kind of food are you going to be ingesting? Is it going to be the deadly 12 ones that are supposedly very healthy that, have, that really should be, not going to say have to be, but highly recommended that they be organic? Because this pesticide use in this country is horrific. And strawberries, which we were saying, you know, a couple weeks ago, so healthy, so many benefits, 14 different type of pesticides, residue on them, frightening. Uh, and that, again, yeah, and that you have to go to the EWG.org, which will go into detail about safe water, safe food, pesticides to watch out for in specific foods. So it's your water and your food, things that you're ingesting are very, very important. No two ways about it. And if you're going to look into supplements, you have to know which supplements are good for you. I uh, subscribe to this one particular natural um, periodical that's really, really 
great because it tells you all different things that are going on in terms of holistic approach and also studies that are going on in regular medical um, journals. And they said there's eight essential minerals you have to have to stay healthy. One is calcium. Number two is magnesium. Three is iron. Four is zinc. Five is sodium. Six is selenium. Seven is potassium. Eight is iodine. And uh, it's interesting because they tell you this journal talks about how you can get them from your foods, whether it be uh, calcium. It talks about uh, calcium maintaining not just bone health but your cholesterol levels, blood pressure, which I didn't know, and that they're preferred sources because they occur naturally in the food, milk, cheese, and yogurt. And they're best absorbed by the body. But you can also get it from, which I didn't know, nut milks, uh, nutrition bars, cereals, or other things. Magnesium, they said there are more people with magnesium deficiencies than any other deficiency. I did not know that. Neither did I until I started researching dark chocolate, avocados, nuts, beans, whole grains, certain fatty fish as... um, salmon and mackerel and halibut, iron, you have to be really, really careful because some people are not, uh, they're, they're, they don't do well with iron. I'm one of them. So if my red blood count is low, I cannot take iron pills because I get so ill from them. So that's another thing. If you react to something, you have to mention it to your doctor and say, well, I'm not going to take this because of, is there a supplement? Um, zinc is another one, you know, a trace mineral. Uh, sodium, which is interesting um, because it aids the function of muscles, nerves, and regulates the balance of fluids. And, of course, uh-huh. too, much, too much is not good, but you have to have a certain amount. And you can get it in your food, you know, beet, celery, beef, spinach, chard, cantaloupe. But that blew my mind that it's even included in that. Uh, selenium because it protects your immune system and it affects the function of your thyroid gland and cognitive function. And Brazil nuts, fish, ham, beef, turkey, eggs, and lentils are really good. And potassium, that's important, but it's an electrolyte that helps conduct electrical impulses through the body. Iodine, you don't really get iodine that much anymore. Why? Because it used to be in salt. It would say, oh, it supplies a necessary mineral of iodine, and you don't see that anymore. So uh, eggs have it, dairy products, iodized salt. It has to say iodized. Otherwise, you need to really check that too. They they used it in other countries. I remember I got sick uh, last time I was uh, not the, actually not last time time before I was in Greece. Uh, okay. It turned out I had pneumonia, but uh, that wasn't diagnosed until I came back uh, here. Um, right. But uh, they prescribed they uh, gave me iodine. I had to gargle with it, but they didn't tell me that that's poisonous. <laughs> so <laughs> fortunately, I didn't swallow any or. <laughs> And, and then the other thing, too, is there are certain vitamins you can have. There is a specific recommended amount. And uh-huh. uh, very often people will self-diagnose. Um, you have to be very careful because, again, the amount varies according to your gender and your age. It varies. As you get right. older, there's certain ones you need 
a lot more of. And gender-wise, there are certain ones that men need over women and vice versa. So uh, the other thing is you could be taking a daily vitamin that that includes some of these things. It's important to read. You know, what's right. And uh, then you're taking supplements and you're adding additional vitamins. You have to research because you can have certain vitamin overloads. You have to be careful with niacin. You have to be careful. There's certain ones I'll say, well, you'll just urinate them out, like the vitamin C, which is so important, too, for your uh, immunity and your D3. But um, you have to really read and watch. Your vitamin A is another one that you can um, overdose on. You can cause detrimental damage to your body. That's very true. Um, I know that for everybody, everybody is different. Uh, for, recently, my diabetes numbers uh, you know, shot up again. Yeah. And uh, I take responsibility for that because uh, they were stable for so long and I got uh, cocky with it, I guess, and started slowly eating things I shouldn't be eating. Um, but it was recommended to me to go on a Mediterranean diet. And since I'm Mediterranean, that made sense. Um, so I researched it, and after researching it, I wasn't you know, quite sure about that, um, but I decided to try it anyway. So uh, um, I increased uh, eating uh, chickpeas, I started eating more olives, and uh, my blood shot up. <laughs> you know, so uh, it shot up significantly by you know, just adding those things into the diet uh, in much greater quantities than before. Before, right. I'd have like a tablespoon or two occasionally, but now they became part of my staples and I cut down my meat. Uh, but that had disastrous results. So I need to, again, go back to like a more Atkins type of uh, diet or a paleo diet or a keto diet. I have so many names. There you go. And that's the amazing thing, Hercules, because we're all very unique and very different. Yeah. Even with the exercise, I know you'd have people talk uh, on your blog about that. Uh, for me, you know, when I was much younger, I was at the best shape of my life at 37 because I was working out in a gym every year. I was in prior to that, like a good 10 years before, working uh-huh. out constantly even more than 10 years, uh, probably 20. But I got to the point when I was 37, I was in the best shape of my life because I was in the gym. I was using, for me, what worked were the cables, the free weights, and weightlifting. Yes, that was. Nautilus, you know, doing Nautilus. And I got to the point where I was doing split workouts. I was taking an amino acid supplement on my food. Again, it was very organic and, and I really watched my food, but I was working out six times a week for an hour and a half each day. And, uh, and then, you know, adding walking, but, but for me, that's what, where I was in peak condition in terms of, uh, of blood work, um, body weight, and, and, and that, too, is, could be very um, misleading because muscles weigh more than fat. Right. I mean, you start losing, you start losing weight, and you start to see real defined muscles in your body, and uh, you're happy the way you look, your clothes fit good, yet your weight was higher than you, what you thought it would be. 
it's so misleading. And people say, well, I want to yeah. lose this. and I Yes, you want to lose that much of fat, but you, you do want to keep muscle. You don't want to lose muscle. And at this point in my life now where I'm much older than 37, and I've after gone through some um, peculiar little situations here with tests and, I, and, and finding out that things were okay, but I had to modify certain things, I now can go back, and a knee operation, uh, I uh-huh. have gone back to the weights, and for me, that is what works for my body. You know, and everyone has to find what works for them. I've had someone insist to me that yoga would be the best thing for me. It works for them. Well, it didn't work for me because I am not limber. I have issues with um, the knees, and there's certain things I cannot do. And sitting that in the chair, yeah, I can do certain things with the upper body, but then I have to be careful with the lower body. So that's why each person has right. to, as you just said, when it comes to diet, to exercise, medications, supplements, you have to see what works for you. And you're right. A lot of it is trial and error. And, uh, sometimes, yes. And sometimes uh, it doesn't lead you to good uh, places. Uh, for a long time, I followed uh, Sage advice uh, to eat continuously, like in small snacks throughout the day. Right, and uh, then I found out that that actually um, increases the desensitivity to insulin, <laughs> and it makes diabetes worse because uh, you're not giving your uh, pancreas a chance to uh, relax and replenish. So uh, I played with various things, and then what I found works for now is intermittent fasting. That's where you don't eat for a certain number of hours in the day. Right, right, and that's helped a lot and bring my numbers down. Yeah, so. Uh, um, I stopped doing that when I when I introduced the uh, the hummus and the tahini and uh, the olives and all that type of stuff. Uh, and, and again, that, that it shot the blood uh, right up. So now I'm back to intermittent fasting again. And now I know for sure if anybody recommends that I eat these things, that I tried it. I did that for a few days, and my my blood shot up significantly. So I'm not going to try it again. Right, right. And and, uh, this is interesting, too. We forget about how important our liver is. Right. That liver is the hardest working organ in the body because it serves more than 500 functions. And it's, like, unbelievable, but it's not invincible because it does so many different things. It processes nutrients from blood to build fuel and maintain the body. It filters toxins. It produces bile and cholesterol and blood clotting factors. It regulates the blood sugar. It stores vitamins and minerals. It balances hormones. It supports the immune system. But Mm -hmm. they had said the biggest problem, common problem now, is non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And an estimated 100 million Americans have some form of it. And a lot of people have no idea that there is a problem there. And most, they said, one of the most affected demographics are women in the 30s. And they don't know why, you know, in terms of, like, you know, it's not all cirrhosis of the liver. They said baby boomers are five times more likely to be harboring hepatitis B, all right, which can damage your liver and even give you liver cancer. And uh, there is a simple blood test which can let you know if you have hepatitis. You have to be careful with medications because they're metabolized by the liver. 
and that can take a toll on them. You have to try. If you're having issues, you're concerned about keeping your liver healthy, avoid mm-hmm. unnecessary medications and supplements. Even things like Tylenol, Advil, Motrin can cause liver damage. Antibiotics can uh, affect them as well. Um, FDA does not regulate supplements, so you have to be very careful where you're getting supplements from. Right. So you have to be selective what's going in your mouth in terms of, of the food the uh, and your liver to dealing with environmental toxins such as pesticides. But there are certain foods that they say are excellent for detoxifying liver. And that beets, beets are amazing because they have so many antioxidants and they also help with your arteries, you know, circulation. Other other detoxifying foods are garlic, onion, fermented vegetables, dark leafy greens, lemon, grapefruit, apples, berries, um, avocados, walnuts, olive oil, green tea, uh, turmeric, herbs such as milk thistle, dandelion root. It's amazing that uh, these different things help. Even they said coffee, if you keep it under so many cups, you know, is good for the liver. Just don't add all that cream and sugar to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I played with coffee and uh, blood numbers. Uh, having and not having coffee seems to have no effect at all on my blood sugar level. Isn't and, uh, it amazing? And the so, research and is divided. It's good for you. It's bad for you. Yes, you know, it, that's why. You know. And everything. And, and you know what? You'll find different research that says this and that. And you'll also find that uh, it says that it works during a certain decade. And then maybe two decades later, they're going on and on about it. Um, If you're eating things that are pesticide-free, if you're watching as you go along and monitoring your body, and no one knows your body better than you, you know, the way it's reacting to things, you know, different symptoms that you're having, and then you have the option of looking at different supplements, different diets, and then alternative methods, which we will discuss another time, using essential oils. And that, too, you have to be careful because certain ones, like things like um, frankincense, which is the number one most amazing essential oil for immunotherapy, it goes way back to the Egyptian days, ancient Egypt. Um, it's amazing, but if you have epilepsy, you shouldn't be using it. Same thing with grapefruit juice. Oh, it's so wonderful, but if you were taking blood pressure medication, you shouldn't take it. Right. So it's it's amazing, And, and, and there is no, as we say always, it's not just one suit doesn't fit all. You have to find what works for your particular body, your particular symptoms, your gender, your age. That that is very very true. And uh, I looked at the clock, and we're at the end it's of today. <laughs> the time went by very quickly. Thank you for everything that you shared. Uh, you've given me lots to think about and uh, several things to look up for myself. And so experiment and I, I will that too. send those and those uh, different sites to you. And in the future, I'd like to get into a little bit about certain supplements and vitamins. What you have to watch out for, where they're good. And, and where they're not, and what you have to be careful in terms of using in conjunction with them, and also the essential oils. 
That sounds incredibly awesome. Thank you, Astrid. I will be speaking with you very soon, and I'm My looking forward pleasure. to continuing this conversation. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, as uh, Astrid uh, uh, closes her segment, and before uh, we start uh, Brian's uh, segment, I'm going to play a song. I got so enraptured in what uh, Astrid was talking about that I didn't set that up. So let me let me quickly set that up. Um, this sounds good. Dreamer by Amikayla.
back to the voice of Olympus. Uh, and now as part of our optimal wellness program, we proceed to Sword and Sandal Cinema with Brian Walker of Brian Striving Theater, uh, a legendary website uh, that is a shrine to all B-movies and especially Sword and uh, Sandal movies. Uh, greetings and welcome, Brian. How are you? I'm fine tonight. How are you, Hercules? I'm doing incredibly great. I've uh, started uh, working out to the Sons of Hercules uh, movies or episodes, uh, depending on how you want to look at uh, that whole thing, and uh, then contemplating the messages of the film. So that's uh, been pretty uh, fun and productive so far. Well, and that's setting the bar pretty high. (laughs) Yes. uh, So far I've done uh, the Mole Men versus the Son of Hercules uh, the Triumph of the Son of Hercules and Fire Monsters Against the Son of Hercules. And uh, today I finished Venus Against the Son of Hercules. Oh, excellent. And, you know, uh, today I have uh, watched uh, two, two of the films uh, in the Sons of Hercules um, uh, canon. Uh, I watched uh, The Tyrant of Lydia Against the Son of Hercules uh, with Gordon Scott, one of my favorite uh, actors. And... Uh, I'm just now finishing up Ulysses against the Son of Hercules with uh, Mike that's Lane and George Marshall. Yes, that's what I'm watching tomorrow. Uh, Ulysses against the Son of Hercules. I, I remember uh, them, and I remember them all. They they blur a little bit sometimes in my memory, um, but uh, they 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 all had a tremendous impact on my childhood and throughout my uh, life. So I'm glad to be revisiting them in order. And your website has been invaluable. I think there's only one. Uh, star I haven't found uh, information on uh, on your site. He was mentioned. Is that uh, Mike Lane? Yeah, I, I believe so, yes. You know, I've wanted to build a page for him for years, and I've just ne- never been able to find enough information and photos. I was just never able to pull it together. And uh, I also wanted to do one for uh, Roger Brown, but there again, I was just never able to, to find enough source material uh, to do a page on. There isn't much out there for a lot of these uh, folks. There aren't. And uh, w- with Mike Lane, there really should be. Um, the first thing that I ever saw him in, it was when I was a kid and uh, there was a, a Saturday morning uh, series on uh, when I was, I don't know, probably like nine or ten years old. And it was called Monster Squad. And he portrayed the he portrayed the Frankenstein character in Monster Squad. And I think that's the first thing that I ever saw him in. But if you look at his filmography, he was actually in you know quite a few things yeah. uh, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Now, I don't remember, uh, but one of uh, the um, Herculeses or the Sons of Hercules uh, in the movies I've watched so far, one of them was uh, still uh, uh, alive as far as I could tell. So I reached out to him to see if he'd be interested in being uh, interviewed, but I haven't heard back yet. Is that uh, Reg Lewis or Roger Brown? Um, Richard Harrison, maybe. 
one of those two, I don't recall offhand, or maybe they're both still alive, uh, but whoever is still around, I've reached out to them, including to Mark Forrest, who I've had some wonderful uh, telephone conversations with, but uh, who haven't been able to get on the show yet. Well, um, and Kirk Morris is still with us, um, mm-hmm. uh, Reg Lewis, Roger Brown, Richard Harrison, and as far as I know, Ed Fury, although he, uh, among them, he would be the oldest. Can you go over that list again? I'll write them down quickly, and this way I'll start uh, my research okay, tomorrow. Well, uh, obviously, Mark Forrest. Um, but uh, Kirk Morris is still alive, um, and he's probably, I would say, the youngest of the bunch. Uh, Reg Lewis is still with us. Uh, I believe Roger Brown is as well, and uh, Richard Harrison, and uh, Ed Fury. Of the uh, stars of those Sons of Hercules movies, I think we've only lost uh, Gordon Scott and uh, Dan Battis. Oh, wow. I was not aware of that. so I will focus on uh, trying to get them on uh, the air or, or maybe like a, by email interview, like I interviewed you these many years ago. Um, that is awesome. It is. Now tracking people down <laughs> you know, is always, a, unfortunately, always another matter. Um, but uh, I, you know, the, the Sons of Hercules uh, syndication package is nothing that – I really directly remember, um, it, and it may have been on, um, you know, a little early for me. Um, and I couldn't find any information as to when these films were sold into syndication. I mean, the newest, the newest ones uh, were originally produced in 1964, and I'm going to guess that, that they were sold into syndication not long after that. I would probably say by, what, 65, 66? I would guess that uh, also. The the earliest uh, film in my research was uh, um, 61, and then the, the latest one was uh, um, 64. And I believe, I believe it was shortly thereafter that uh, it became a syndication packet and uh, uh, it started appearing on uh, TV because I remember being very young when it uh, was playing, but I was old enough to follow what I what I was watching. Well, I mean, I, I, I should have been able to find a date on it, but uh, I couldn't. But since you know that pat that syndication package was trying to capitalize on the popularity of uh, you know, peplum movies um, in the 1960s, it would almost had to have. I mean, the um, the newest films were probably pretty new, even when they were sold into that package. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting that, and this is something I, I didn't really uh, realize at the point, but uh, you know, this was uh, a syndication package that was done by Embassy Pictures. Um, and I found that really interesting because Embassy uh, was owned by Joseph E. Levine. And he was the one who was originally responsible for bringing uh, Steve Reeves' Hercules uh, over to right. the state. And, I mean, I'm sure uh, Mr. Levine made a lot of money um, out of that. And um, he originally developed his company in order to uh, bring foreign films 
to uh, United to, to uh, audiences in America. Yes, and uh, uh, we had spoken before. He did. He tried to get a syndicated television show out uh, uh, that wasn't a, a bunch of uh, unrelated films, uh, you know, thematically tied together. Uh, but uh, uh, it was the pilot uh, episode that became Hercules against the, the or Hercules and the Princes of Troy. Um, that mm-hmm. was uh, something he tried to do as well. Yeah, with Gordon Scott. Yes. Uh, and so, again, uh, Mr. Scott was one of my favorites. Um, but uh, it, for somebody who um, has spent most of his life watching B movies. Uh, Joseph E. Levine's name pops up in so many films um, that I have seen over the years. Um, he uh, brought a lot of uh, Japanese films over, you know, a lot of the uh, monster films such as Godzilla, uh, Ghidra, the Three-Headed Monster, um, Gamera, uh, you know, so, so many of those uh, he was uh, responsible for. Um, you know, broadening their appeal and exposing them to American audiences. And, well, to, to those of us who were kids at the time uh, who, who saw them, um, it's kind of fascinating to think about, to think of how much um, you know, he was able to uh, influence uh, in terms of, you know, creating syndication packages, exactly what we saw, you know, on television in the 1960s. That is uh, very true. Uh, like with uh, Charles Atlas, um, I'm associated with that company. Uh, it was actually uh, Charles Roman who pulled that uh, you know, material that was there and built it into a uh, marketing legend. Uh, Joseph Levine did the same for the Peplum movies and uh, the modern cinematic version of uh, Hercules. Uh, it was his genius that took uh, something that wasn't a phenomenon, but had a unique quality and then turned it into uh, something great. And I, I find one of the, uh, another thing that kind of struck me um, as I was getting ready uh, for tonight's podcast is, you know, just looking over the, the titles of the films themselves. And, you know, I, I'm sure it was probably difficult to kind of rein all 13 of those movies in because, they didn't necessarily have you know, a Hercules tie-in. I mean, a few, couple, a few, a few of them did, um, but for the most part, they didn't. They were actually you know other characters. But it was, it right. was really clever in how they um, you know, repackaged the films and added the, you know uh, new um, titles, and then they had their they had the you know theme song that provided some consistency uh, that, to it all. I am kind of surprised that um, apparently there were only a handful of films in that syndication package. Right. There were, th- there were 13. Uh, it seemed like there were more, but uh, I read uh, uh, recently that they were sometimes broken up into two parts. So that that's what might have created my memory that it lasted for a longer time. Uh, watch him. There were only 13. And then there are two that had Son of Hercules in the title or in one of the titles that weren't part of the uh, um, in, initial 13 that got syndicated. I was able to track down a copy of one, but not the other so far. So part of this month is questing to see if I could find that one. Uh, it was an Indian film called Son of Hercules. Ah, uh, Okay. 
And um, uh, but... Stephen Smith of uh, Peplum Paradise and other uh, um, groups on oh, the yeah. Facebook, he managed to track me down a photo from the one I'm missing, but he didn't know much more about it either. So that's a great mystery now. Try to figure out, uh, you know, what other titles this film might have been called and uh, where I can get a copy so I could see it. Well, and there were, um, you know, by the time that uh, I started watching these films uh, as a kid, there were you know several syndication packages uh, that featured, um, you know, the Peplum movies, uh, you know, from the uh, nineteen uh, late nineteen fifties and early nineteen sixties. Um, I mean, I can remember seeing, uh, you know, um, St- several Steve Reeves films, which were not part of the uh, Embassy package. And in total, I think there were something like 150 of these films produced, you know, wow. over a six, seven-year period, which is amazing if you think about yes, it. Yes, it is. Um, you know, we think that. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of information in the press right now. Martin Scorsese's been talking about it. How um, the superhero movies have been beaten into the ground. There, <laughs> but if you think about it. <laughs> We certainly haven't seen 150 of them in the last few years, um, so that that no. kind of gives you uh, that kind of gives you an idea of just how popular these films were were worldwide, you know, um, not just in America, but but to have made that many of them in so short of a time, I mean, it, it's just it it's mind blowing if you think about it. That is very mind-blowing. I never thought about it that way. Now <laughs> that's going to be one of the subjects for tonight's meditation because uh, that is mind-boggling. Well, and you know, a lot of them were uh, released directly um, in the United States. They were released um, directly to television. Um, American International had a uh, television syndication package, and uh, you know, that studio released quite a few things Um you know, d- directly to TV or around the same time that um, the Sons of Hercules, you know, would have been you know available to television stations. Um, but uh, you know, there again, I just I, I do think I, I see what they were going for, and it, I find it curious though that they just were able to pull thirteen out of it. I don't know if the syndication package wasn't. Um, as lucrative as uh, Embassy Pictures had hoped, because um, it, it kind of seems to me that they c- could have p- perhaps you know um, gotten a few more seasons out of this. But there again, I wasn't right. able to find any information about it. There's even uh, the who wrote the song, I believe, uh, is uh, under dispute as well. So yes, uh, there isn't a lot of information. Uh, um, on uh, these type of uh, deals, and I will, I've wondered too, um, you know, why they stopped there because uh, it's not thematically. Uh, um, was the theme that they came up with for the syndication package? That's a theme that ties them together. But the films themselves uh, range very widely. There's even one set in the uh, caveman times, you know, with dinosaurs. <laughs> roaming around uh, the fire monsters against the son of Hercules. So uh, still the hero identifies himself as the son of Hercules. And uh, in one of them, Mars or Ares was the actual uh, um, star. 
And uh, here he becomes the son of uh, Hercules, which was true in ancient Etoria, but nowhere else. Uh, and uh, in some versions of that movie, it's, he's Hercules himself. Uh, like uh, with Ulysses against the son of Hercules, in the original version, uh, the son of Hercules is Hercules. So it, it, mm-hmm. how they came up with uh, um, these being sons of Hercules has always confused me. And a lot of them are Machiste movies, and they didn't bother changing the name significantly. So Machiste becomes Maxis or or or, or Magnus, or you know. So it, it's very transparently a Machiste film. Right, and uh, Richard Harrison's name in uh, Medusa um, is is another is just like that. It's it's not a clue because he's uh, yeah, Perseus or something like that uh, in that film. And then actually, that's I know I've talked about that film at length before, but that's one of my favorite uh, peplums. Uh, I, I love film. Medusa against Son of Hercules. I, um, I I like it for uh, so many different reasons. I, I like the horror element in it. I think uh, Richard Harrison um, was also kind of was also underrated. I mean, he wasn't the he didn't necessarily have the you know um, muscled physique that uh, a lot of his contemporaries had, um, but I thought he was you know, terrific in the peplums in which he starred. Yes. Uh, for some, we, and we have touched upon this before, but for some of them, it wasn't so much the muscular physique, um, but it was their presence. Uh, like Nigel Green, who played Hercules in uh, Jason and the Argonauts, uh, he yes. certainly did not have you know, the Steve Reeves uh, you know, physique that served as a template for all these movies. Um, but uh, um, his presence was enough to carry him in the role. Yeah, that's a good point. But I, I think you know uh, Steve Reeves obviously sort of he, he cast a very tall shadow. Um, yes, he did. And and I, I, that's that has to be one of the reasons why you know so many of those actors did have that you know um, very muscular build. Um, but that, and that's not to take anything away from Richard Harrison. I mean, he was he's, he's clearly in very good shape uh, in those movies, but he's just not as um, beefier muscular as you know somebody like Mark Forrest or right. uh, or Reg, Reg Lewis because you mentioned Fire Monsters against Son of Hercules. He he wasn't a he had never been a competitive bodybuilder like like some of those people had. Right, he yeah he he was muscular, but you're right, he wasn't uh, you know as muscular as some of the other ones. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, they gave him a personality. Uh, in the translation that he didn't seem to have in the original or in the original language in Italian, uh, his personality seemed very different. <laughs> so uh, I, I was listening to both uh, versions um, and uh, I just found it interesting that uh, voice can totally uh, recreate a character. That's true. And if you watch enough of these dubbed um, peplums, there seems to be just a handful of actors who dubbed the uh, male and female voices in them. And I, mean, I can hear, whenever I'm watching one of these, uh, there's a certain male actor who does a lot of the male leads uh, in Peplin films. And I, I have heard his voice in other dubbed movies, you know, um, 
like in some spaghetti westerns and things like that. Uh-huh. And every every time I hear his voice, it just kind of just kind of a slap to the face. It's like, well, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, you you were hurt in the last movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and that that's kind of. Uh, in a way, I guess that was kind of the beauty of being able to dub these films, uh, that you could um, you make some alterations to the story. Now, I know purists would hate would hate that, and I certainly understand it. But on the other hand, you know, if you are trying to, and I and I don't know that these movies were were dubbed specifically to go into this this television syndication package, but I don't believe any of them. Um, were ever released uh, theatrically in the United States. I think they were they went directly into television. But I don't know if they were dubbed, you know, for the syndication package. Because in that case, that would have been if that was true, that would have been easier to um, kind of wrap that Sons of Hercules uh, conceit around those films. Very true. There is mythical precedent. Uh, the ancient Hercules had many children, uh, starting with uh, his uh, tackling of the Catharian uh, lion when he was uh, in exile as a child uh, for uh, killing his music teacher. Um, mm. So um, when he rescued uh, the countryside from this uh, rapacious beast, the uh, Thespius, King Thespius. Uh, tricked him into sleeping with his 50 daughters. Uh, Hercules, because it was in the dark, thought he was sleeping with the same uh, young lady. Uh, and it turned out to be 50 of them. So that's sometimes listed as uh, the 13th labor of uh, Hercules by the ancients. So he had those kids. Uh, and uh, then he had children throughout his wanderings and then with his uh, wives. And uh, uh, he several of his children... Uh, started dynasties, but uh, the first Sons of Hercules was actually a play by Euripides, uh, and it was called the Iraclides, uh, the, the the children of Hercules, and uh, that had Hercules' oldest uh, son Hylas, or oldest living son rather, and uh, his uh, daughter, and they were trying to um, rescue the other children of Hercules that Evristius, who's the king who had him working for him for the labors, tried to wipe them all out so they wouldn't take vengeance against them at some later time. So that didn't work out very well for them, but that's the earliest example and then the dynastic stories for the adventures of the children of Hercules. So in uh, Greece and Italy and the Mediterranean, that was a very ancient theme. And many stories uh, were told about the sons of Hercules. So uh, when I, I always kind of blurred that with uh, the syndicated television show when I was a kid. And even knowing better, it still kind of is all blurred in my consciousness. Well, that that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. Um, but uh, you know, in the past, and, I, I, and here I'm talking about 20 years ago, when I was uh, uh, trying to construct a filmography, um, you know, for the uh, various actors on uh, Hercules pages, um, I, I used to get a lot of interaction from you know various people who knew quite a bit about the genre, and they would always take me to task on the titles as I had them listed in the filmographies. 
like if I did have something like, oh, for example, um, let's say uh, the tyrant of Lydia against the son of Hercules, somebody would always would correct me and say, no, that was a Goliath movie. Or um, and for a while I would do also known as and it, it right. strung the it strung the filmography out like crazy. <laughs> I, yeah, I since yeah. eliminated a lot of that. Um, but uh, there were some people who, um, you know, some of the visitors to the site who really took exception, uh, especially when it came to the Sons of Hercules titles. They would say, "No, no, no, that's not the that's not the accurate title. That was just for television." And, and I get that, but on the other hand, that's you know, a, and I don't mean to sound like the ugly American or anything like that, but the, those are the titles. The Sons of Hercules, I mean, those are the titles that I knew these films by. Right, me too. And uh, uh, now they're using those titles to sell these movies <laughs> on uh, Amazon and other places. So, so I'll order a Sons of Hercules movie that I previously had in, a, in an, uh, an anthology um, and uh, as an individual thing, and the box will be the original title of the movie or one of the original titles and not the son of Hercules. So it makes uh, classifying it difficult again, but I'll probably put labels on them at some point. It is difficult to keep them all straight. Um, uh, for example, um, I pulled out my old, uh, my old uh, Mill Creek uh, copy of warriors. Yeah. Um, the, the 50 movie pack. And, and some of them are in better shape than others. Um, but uh, I've got some saved uh, on my DVR, and I b- b- believe they aired on Turner Classic Movies. And the the uh, copy on my DVR of the Tyrant of Lydia against the Son of Hercules is beautiful. It's a it's a fantastic um, cinema. It's 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 widescreen. It's not pan and scan like like um, a lot of the Mill Creek stuff was. Uh, the colors are still nice and sharp. Um, there aren't any negative scratches or anything like that. Um, now I, I appreciate the uh, Mill Creek version of these movies because for for so many years that was the only way you were going to see them. Yes. But but uh, for some of them at least, I mean, there are you know some good quality prints out there. You can find some on YouTube as well. Like um, I looked on YouTube today to find. The, the copy that I have of uh, Ulysses against the son of Hercules, I mean, it's not a horrible copy, but the, the color's all blown out. Um, it, it could look better. Um, now, I did find a really sharp um, version on YouTube, but uh, it, it hadn't been dubbed into to English, which – and there was a list of complaints uh, in the comment section. <laughs> underneath the film and I thought well you know you, you can watch this film and, and you, you can watch you know, movies in other languages and figure out what's going on for the most part you yes. know, unless you're watching unless you're watching a character study or something like that um, you can generally watch a movie in another language and, and figure out you know who's the protagonist what, what what's motivating uh, the action in it um who who the antagonist is it, it's not really that all that difficult um yeah and you know i mean even if, a, if even if a film has subtitles after the after a while you don't really need to read the subtitles if you're watching it because you can tell 
you know, by the intensity on the actors' faces or how they're, you know, speaking their lines, uh, you know, what is going on. Yes, you can. And uh, sometimes your own imagination will provide a better story than the one that's uh, there. I found that to be the case uh, as well. Uh, that, that's a good point, too. And I, I've known a couple of people who um, uh, helped dub um, some of these uh, you know, uh, movie, for, foreign movies for the American market. And you know, they uh, – Look, a couple of these people I, I knew were telling me sort of the tricks of the trade and why some of the uh, spoken dialogue sounds so stilted. And I, I know I've mentioned this before, but you had to fill you know, the, the, the space during which the actor was speaking. And, and the, sometimes that means a lot of prepositional phrases <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and a lot of dependent clauses. Yes, I imagine it could be difficult trying to, to sync uh, what they originally said to what they're saying. And uh, uh, in some of them, bad dubbing became an art form, like with uh, a lot of the uh, monster movies from Japan. <laughs> That's true, especially in those. And I guess it's just, you know, trying to take, um, you know, the – the culture and the story in one film and translating it over to a different audience, but particularly in Japanese uh, films, um, a lot of the dialogue it borders on nonsensical after it's been translated over. And, right. and the, and the, the, and the constructs of the sentences are all backward. I mean, it's just, it, um, I, I guess they, they had a limited amount of time to do what they needed to do. And sometimes it sounds like a literal translation. Yes. And other times, and other times it's all, it's almost gibberish <laughs> that they've inserted into this actor's mouth just to make sure that everything lines up. I saw a version of uh, one of the films, uh, and again, I'm working out, so it's hard sometimes to notice uh, details. I don't remember which uh, film it was. I think it was Fire Monsters, where, yes, it was Fire Monsters, uh, where the movie was dubbed in English. Um, but at certain points, there was footage that wasn't. So uh, it kept going back from uh, English uh, to Italian. And that's actually when I noticed that uh, um, it was like a totally different character. <laughs> Through the uh, yeah the how the dialogue and the intonation uh, came out, and I thought those were interesting uh, point. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I, I watched some that aren't available in English or weren't available in English for many years just to watch it. Well, and something Gordon Mitchell told me years ago, um, and he he found this um, I think a little unsettling at first, although he got used to it is that a lot of these pictures essentially had international cast. You know, it wasn't just, you know, an American, you know, uh, with a lot of, um, you, know, you know, Italian actors. Um, a lot of these people were from Eastern Europe, Western Europe, uh, you know, a lot of different places. And he said that on some sets that people would read their lines in their own language because it was being dubbed. And yes. you know, in Fire Monsters against the Son of Hercules, the um, 
the the female lead in it is Margaret Lee, who's one of my favorite British actresses. Um, she did a lot of movies in the 1960s and 70s. And um, p- perhaps that's where you'll see, you know, uh, some of the difference uh, when, when it comes to the dubbing, because some people on the set might have been speaking English. Other people on the set might, may have been speaking a different language. And that is mind boggling, too. <laughs> well, it must have been difficult. I mean, you know, I, I, I've never been an actor and I, and I really don't know anything about it. But to try to keep you know, the you know, the to try to keep the scene going and to try to maintain the level of intensity that the scene requires. And then somebody else is speaking in a different language and, and you're still trying to keep it going. I mean, that must've taken, that must've taken, uh, you know, some acting chops, you know, in order to be able to carry that off. So um, now there were some of the, as we, and we've talked about this before, some of these people were actually very fine actors. I mean, Richard Harrison, for example, um, Mm -hmm. made film, made films for years and was a very good actor. Um, Gordon Mitchell, uh, he acted in 200 films and I don't, I don't think he turned in a bad performance ever. And even in, no. in Gordon Scott, uh, I, I always thought Gordon Scott, he, he was my favorite Tarzan, but um, he also did a good job uh, in these peplums as well. I, I found him very believable um, and you know, one of the better actors. Yes, uh, this I, I love this stuff. <laughs> I spent hours and hours and hours uh, talking about it, and uh, um, unfortunately, we always run out of uh, time. Uh, you know, so again, thank you. Uh, this has been a great uh, segment, and I, I learned several things I did not know, which is always a good thing. And uh, I'm looking forward to our time together next month. Okay, uh, we'll talk in December. Be well, my friend. Uh, we will talk in, yes, that's right. So happy Thanksgiving then, and uh, we'll talk in December. Okay, and uh, if anybody's looking for me, they can uh, find me through uh, social media. Um, my uh, Facebook handle is uh, Brian's Drive-In Theater, and uh, they can also visit the website at com. Thank you. I was just about to ask you that. You read my mind. (laughs) Be well, my friend. Okay, take care, and we'll chat next month. Looking forward to it. Um, We're going to listen to Bone Post Orchestra's Evolve, and then we'll be back with the one and only Bill Hinburn of Super Strength Training.
Bill Hinburn of Super Strength Training, 
We are going to be exploring physical culture for the next 40 minutes. Greetings and welcome, Bill. How are you? Fine, thank you. Hercules, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, is it cold out by you? It's cold here, so I'm imagining it's colder there. Yeah, it's around 50 degrees. Not bad. Dropping a little oh, no, bit. It's not bad at all. Mm-mm. So any new adventures since last we spoke? No. As a matter of fact, I was about to ask you the same thing. Um, yes, actually, I've been uh, moving towards uh, doing things in video again. I used to have a show like a dozen years ago on uh, uh, UHF and Fringe Cable. Uh, so several people have approached me in the interim. Uh, not much has happened. So I figured, let me just launch it on my own. Uh, you don't need very much to put together a like a YouTube show. Uh, at present. So I'm moving into that uh, territory, um, getting people and we're brainstorming. So I should be ready to do that by the end of the year. Good. I wish you the best of luck. I'm sure they'll turn out great. Thank you very much. And you know that you will always be an honored guest uh, whenever you'd like to be on the show. Well, thank you again. You're very kind. Now, um, one of the things I also started doing, and uh, this will lead into our topic uh, for tonight, uh, whatever it winds up uh, being, uh, is that um, I've been lately, maybe it's my age, I've been revisiting my formative influences, and uh, some of them I'm finding are worth keeping, and some of them I'm finding, why did I hold on to this? So uh, the uh, Peplum films especially... Uh, and later on the barbarian movies that kind of were like an evolution from them, those have always held a great fascination for me, and they've uh, kept me uh, motivated to work out and, uh, you know, remain uh, faithful to the weights uh, for much of my life and so forth. So they they were very important to me in molding me into the person that that I am. So lately I've been watching The Sons of Hercules, which was playing when I was a kid, and then working out to them and then thinking about, you know, um, how these influenced me. And I find it's a really great exercise. I learned a lot of values uh, from uh, watching these uh, movies, even though they were a marketing gimmick uh, initially. Um, so the, the role that this type of inspiration plays, I know has been profound on me. And over the many uh, years, I've met others who were influenced by these uh, movies uh, in one way or another way, some in terms of working out, some in terms of watching their health, uh, some in terms of having a more heroic approach toward uh, life. Um, and I was wondering, um, because you you are the keeper of the legacy for some of these guys that appeared in the, these movies through uh, your catalog, um, what effect did the Peplum films or Sword and Sandal films uh, have on you personally? Well, um Many people uh, were influenced by uh, the Hercules movies of the 60s. And, of course, uh, Steve Reeves was in the first one, and that was simply Hercules. And, uh, right. of course, was followed by uh, Hercules Unchained. Or, and I think he did another one. I'm not certain. I, well, it could have been only two Hercules movies. But, but nevertheless, he went on to other uh, uh, movies of that type. They were very low budget to begin with. Uh, for right. the, Hercules, the, the first Hercules, it was, it was done in Italy. And uh, 
became very uh, very popular in this country. And uh, if you listen to a lot of the bodybuilders, the ones that were very successful, you know, in the contests and stuff like that, they will tell you that uh, he was a huge inspiration. Now you'll say, well, who was Steve Reeves' inspiration? Well, it goes back, uh, uh, as, as well as Reg Park, both of them, mm-hmm. would probably mention John Grimmick. Okay. And, of course, mm-hmm. if you ask John Grimmick, he would go back and he would he would tell you, uh, you know, you know, people like uh, Sandow or uh, Hackenschmidt or uh, Saxon. OK, so it's 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 essentially uh, uh, people that were successful uh, or high profile uh, even back in those days. Today, um, Steve Reeves is very popular. Reg Park yeah. is very popular. Arnold Schwarzenegger is very popular. Matter of fact, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, if you ask him, uh, and he's made it known many times, who is uh, his big inf- inspiration is Reg Park. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, it goes on like that. And, it, you know, the, the people today are the, the ones that trained in the uh, 70s and the 80s and 90s will tell you Arnold Schwarzenegger. But, but the whole thing is... Uh, these people are famous, uh, Reeves, Park, Schwarzenegger, not only in the world of bodybuilding, but it's their their name and their uh, their um, uh, likeness is constantly put out there in front of people because they were in movies, the cinema. Right. Okay. And and uh, you mentioned the Peplum uh, uh, movies. I've seen many of them. I haven't seen all of them. But many of those actors, no one would know who they were whatsoever. They would be unknowns completely if it wasn't for those movies. As low budget as they were, and a lot of people think that they're, you know, campy and corny and <laughs> everything like that. Nevertheless, they're still out there, you know, and they can be had. Uh, you can see clips of them on the Internet. So you can get the DVDs and all that stuff. And uh, uh, that has fueled uh, uh, their legacy more than actually what they did. Uh, like I say, if if it wasn't for the Hercules movies with uh, with Steve Reeves, Steve Reeves would be a very popular bodybuilder. Don't don't get me wrong. Okay, mm-hmm. he was popular back in the late '60s. I was collecting everything I get my hands on, as far as photographs and. Uh, little albums and stuff like that. They were scanned. You couldn't find very many of them. I have a huge collection, and I've uh, parted with a lot of it piecemeal over the years. Uh, some of it was to uh, Bob Kennedy, who had Muscle Mag International. When he first did the first issue, uh, uh, six months before that, he came to my home from Canada, and he says, I want anything that you have, any photographs you have on, on Steve Reeves. Any of them, okay? And I'll never forget it. Uh, I was at the old homestead, and uh, he came to the house, and uh, and he drove up in front, and uh, I met him, and uh, uh, he was awestruck by what I had. He couldn't believe it. He says, you not only have uh, uh, Steve Reeves, but you've got Reg Park, you've got Tackenschmidt, and uh, you've got uh, Sandow and uh, uh, Saxon, all the big names. I had all that stuff, you know, and uh, but but the thing was, uh, uh, 
Reeves' popularity was was projected through the cinema. And the same way with Reg Park. If you go on the Internet, you'll see a lot of Reg Park. You see my website because I have a lot of his his, uh, training publications. Okay? They're extremely popular even to this day. Okay? And... uh, it was. It's nearly 70 years since he was in top shape when he won the uh, the uh, NABBA uh, Mr. Universe in 1951. Um, there's something to be said for that. You know, he was a real gentleman. I, I met him one time, and I had correspondence and phone calls and everything with him. Uh, I even talked to you know, getting back to Steve Reeves, I talked to him by telephone. Uh, when he was living in Escondido, uh, California, and uh, I would, uh, you know, I would call, and uh, I would talk to his wife, and uh, you know, and I would talk to him. Um, he was not, he was not uh, uh, what I would say. Uh, he, he was kind of shy. Uh, as far as talking to him on the phone, he wasn't like, for example, Jack Lalane. You talk to Jack Jack Lalane on the phone, and he's all fired up. He's bouncing off the walls, and you can just imagine, okay, you know, he's probably pacing the floor as he's talking or lifting a dumbbell. And by the t- halfway through the conversation, you want to pick up a dumbbell and start lifting. I mean, he's he's just he was so fired up with so much energy. And then you talk to Reeves. And it was uh, it was very very low key. He would answer questions and uh, and like very very polite. He was always kind to me, and and like that. And uh, uh, but um, the 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 movies back then were very inspirational. You know, you had, you had the Technicolor. You know, that was coming about. You know, and even though they were dubbed in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you watch their mouths and everything, you say to, you're saying to yourself, that voice does not fit that body, you know, no. and uh, and uh, stuff like that. But it didn't make any difference, you know. I mean, uh, you know, Reeves made a lot of money uh, doing the movies. Reg Park made a lot of money. Reg Park only made five movies, you know. They're all Hercules. And, and it seems uh, like then, more, too. Yeah, you would think, but no. Uh, 1965 was the last one. And, uh, you know, they were all... All uh, Italian, made in Italy, and uh, uh, they became they like the popularity dropped. You know, it just it, it you know they went through its cycle. You know, for about well, less than ten years, and mm-hmm. and uh, then they went on to other things. The other thing that popped up around that time was the James Bond that wiped yes. everything, wiped everything out with Sean Connery, who incidentally was a bodybuilder. A few people know that. Thomas Sean Connery of uh, Scotland, and uh, he was in the 19, uh, I want to say 1953 NABBA, uh, Mr. Universe, the Amateurs. Um, He didn't place. A lot of people say that he did place. He didn't. He didn't place. However, he did compete. He was there. uh, It was Bill Pearl, I believe, won it, but... um, but nevertheless, you know, he he uh, he had a he pretty good yeah. physique. It was it was uh, you know, it was impressive. It it, it would turn heads. Uh and and uh uh you know, that's that's another guy. Uh, he he made his uh his uh, everybody will always remember him as James Bond. All the other movies he made is incidental. James Bond, you know. And that was that was the one. If you ask a lot of people 
you know, around my age, uh, who was the best to say James Bond. And uh, uh, and I like Daniel Craig, too. I think Daniel Craig is a good uh, James Bond, tough guy. I mean, he was a, you know, he he could handle himself. And then he had a few other ones that I don't know. <laughs> I guess they were desperate for somebody, but some of these guys well, are terrible. My favorite you know? Sean Connery film is Zardoz. I don't know if you remember that one. It was... Uh, uh, it was a post-apocalyptic barbarian film. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, he he was Zed. Uh, and uh-huh. uh, there was a giant stone head, you know, that went around and collected grain for uh, these godlike humans who lived uh, in an enclosure. Uh, so th- that always uh, appealed to me. And uh, I was, I was definitely a copy on DVD. I have the paperback for it. Uh, now I'm getting nostalgic uh, to watch it again. Oh, absolutely. You know, and and um, uh, the other thing uh, uh, that you have to bear in mind is these these movies open the door for other actors that were bodybuilders. They gave them employment, you know. Right. And and uh, uh, and you know who they are. You know, Lou Denny was one of them. Uh, Oh gosh, I can't. Uh, Mike Henry, he used to play football for the uh, was it the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, he was a he was a Hercule. Uh, no, he was a Tarzan. I beg your pardon. Well, the Tarzan is another one. You know, yeah, Ron, yeah, Ron, Ron Ely, he he played. Uh, 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 I think it was Tarzan too. But there's there's so many of those opportunities for people, albeit they were low budget, but nevertheless it gave them. Uh, an opportunity to act, and people also, it was an inspiration for a lot of people to, uh, uh, you know, to start training. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and of course, that's what they did. As far as uh, 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 John Grimmick, I mentioned earlier, he had the opportunity uh, for to play uh, the original TV Superman. Uh, he was offered the role before George Reeves, you know, no relation to Steve Reeves. Um, right, and uh, he turned it down because he was living in Pennsylvania, and he was starting a family, and he had the, in his mind, he had the security of uh, working for York Barbell Company, you know, and and again, York Barbell uh, Company uh, kept him, uh, his his image and likeness in front of the people through the media of the, of the paper magazine at that, the Ink and Paper Magazine, and and. Uh, because he had uh, no last contest he won was 1949, okay, and he had he posed. I think the last time he posed was 1958, uh, something like that. So uh, even even at that, he was uh, editor of Muscular Development uh, uh, starting in 65 of uh, 64 until uh, you know until he retired. But that's what kept him in front of people, you know. So uh, 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 that's what the cinema can do. It's extremely powerful, uh, um, uh, even to this day. You know, Schwarzenegger made a film yes. recently, uh, another uh, you know Terminator film. I saw the first Terminator film. I thought it was awesome. I loved it. But the other ones followed. I think I saw maybe one or two of them, and that was enough. I, you know, how how much can you, how many meals can you get out of that one egg? You know, and and. Uh, <laughs> I... 
you you know what's going to happen. I mean, it's uh, you know, but the but the first movie you didn't know what was going to happen, you know, and I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a great movie, just the the way it was uh, uh, it was done, and uh, I liked the lines and everything. You know, his his uh, trademark line, "I'll be back." You I'll know. be back. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, you know everybody everybody recognizes that, and uh, it's like the Rocky movies. There's you know there's another one. Um, Sylvester they just made another one too both for Rocky and the uh, Terminator uh, yeah. I haven't seen the last one the one before that I caught it when it came out on DVD and it was, then it was discounted yeah. so I picked one up and watched it well the uh, the last Terminator movie that's, that was released the other day from what I understand it's a box office bomb they lost a hundred million dollars Ooh. You know, so I mean, what can you do with it? I mean, geez, these these guys that come on, you can't do that. And and uh, like I say, with the Rocky movie, uh, Sylvester, I give him credit. Uh, I'm not a big fan of his, but I give the man credit. He wrote the movie. He yes. stars in it, and he uh, uh, a lot of studios turned him down because he insisted that he play the role. There are some studios that would say, "Sure, we'll we'll do this," and he'd say, "Yeah, but I want to play the part, or no, uh, you know, no way." And they they said no. You know, I understand. He even sold his dog, if you can imagine that. Did he? No, I I, I didn't know. Yeah, that. he sold his dog. He, I, I couldn't do that, but that's me. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I bought her back for fifteen thousand dollars. So you go really? figure. Really, bought it back? she bought it back? That's the important thing. I know that uh, because he, yeah, it, it was a shoestring uh, budget. Uh, yeah. He wound up stealing a lot of shots. Yeah. And anybody and he, who's done he, independent uh, cinema or independent television knows you have to steal shots you know, all the time to right. continue uh, doing your thing. But uh, because the movie right. was such a hit, uh, he he got uh, penalized for all the shots he stole. He had, he wound up having to pay uh, for right. them all retroactively. Yeah, and he uh, he wrote the music. You know, uh, I, I give the man credit for that. Uh, you know, yeah, there's, there's a lot to be said for that, and uh, and uh, of course he starred in it, and uh, he, uh, you know, that, then they had sequels afterwards. You know, because you know, you're gonna make some money on it. What the hell, run it until you know there's nothing left. Uh, you know, until uh, you know people don't have any. Uh, and, 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 but there's a lot of movies like that. You know that. Uh, yes, there are. That that uh, you know people will say, well, we made it was a big hit. Uh, we made a lot of money. Let's make some more money. You know, and put the same people in their different storyline. But, but uh, the message was never give up. You know, whatever your right. dream happens to be, just uh, go for Absolutely. it with everything to have. And uh, that's what seems to, uh, for me anyway, that's what uh, gave well, the film its uh, value. I'm not really into boxing, but uh, I liked that movie and I saw it multiple times because of that message. Just, you know, right. Regardless of right. what the world tells you, do not give up if you want to go for right. it. Just go for it. Well, the whole thing was, uh, if, if, if truth be told, I think even uh, uh, Stallone has mentioned it, uh, he, he got the idea from from the great uh, uh, undefeated heavyweight boxing champion, uh, Rocky uh, uh, Marciano. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, I heard and, that, yeah. uh, and, and Rocky Marciano, uh, originally, you know, he's from Brockton, Massachusetts. He's the Brockton Blockbuster. That was his nickname. But originally, he wanted to play professional baseball, and he didn't make the cut. 
So then he turned to boxing. And the trainers and the people involved in boxing said he was too awkward and his arms were too short. That's what they told him. He proved them wrong. He (laughs) compensated over that by simply being able to take a punch and being absolutely relentless and dedicated to his training. He was in marvelous condition at every fight. And you know who his hero was? Who is his hero? Joe Lewis. And when he fought Joe Lewis, okay, he didn't want to fight him. Joe Lewis was in trouble uh, financially. You know, the government was after him for back taxes and everything because he had some unscrupulous people that fleeced him. Mm. And Joe Lewis came out of retirement. He didn't want to. You know, he's way past his prime. And uh, now, again, it was all about the money all the way around, you know. And when he was, when Rossiano was fighting Joe Lewis, he kept on telling him, stay down, stay down, stay down. He was constantly telling him that. And, uh, uh, of course, he won, uh, uh, Marciano won the fight, and uh, he went 49-0. and He's the only undefeated uh, heavyweight champion of the world. And, uh, but that's, a, you know, that's, that's another story. But you have to understand that what you're talking about with uh, re- getting back to Reeves, the cinema, Peplum, and what have you, uh, Reg Park, uh, John Grimmick, any of these guys, the whole physical culture thing that started in the late 19th century, it does one thing. It gives people hope. Yes. It gives them, say, you can do this. Charles Atlas, for example, started in 1922 with his course. Of course, he didn't write the course, but nevertheless, his likeness and the photographs and everything and, and his approval of it all, that course gives people hope, gives them inspiration. You can do this. Now, whether they can or not doesn't make any difference. If a person puts their mind to it, they can be the best they can be. And for some people, it's a lot better than they were. That, I have that gotten, is very, very true. I have gotten letters over the years, and 50-plus years now that I've been doing this, and people thank me from the bottom of their heart. I've seen them. I've seen their kids grow up. They train with their kids. They say, if it wasn't for my publications and my honesty for what I do, they don't know where they'd be at, you know. And, you know, it, there's there's a lot more to what I do uh, it's, uh, I don't make any money doing this. A lot of people say, well, you'll probably make a lot of money. No. You have to understand there's a tremendous amount of time. There's a lot of overhead and uh, uh, storage fees and uh, printing costs and postage and, uh, you know, fulfillment of the orders and stuff like that. It's very time-consuming. Okay, but it's also, by the same token, very rewarding. I've met a lot of yeah. people. I've talked to a lot of people. A lot of famous people, uh, uh, Bruce Lee, uh, J. Paul Getty, uh, a lot of the bodybuilders, uh, many of them are gone now, uh, Sigmund Klein, uh, John Grimmick, Steve Reeves, um, all the the York gang, Vince Gironda, you know, a a lot of these guys, even the ones that are still alive today, Bill Pearl, peach of a guy, he's great. Um, 
and and uh, the whole thing is, uh, uh, like I say, it, it gives people hope, uh, and and uh, uh, it's a marvelous, you know, in a lot of cases, a marvelous hobby, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's healthy. It it, it uh, uh, it's been proven time and time again that the progressive resistance exercise helps people of all ages. It helps people, uh, senior citizens. Uh, especially when you uh, when you start getting the aches and the pains, and uh, it's important to keep moving and stretching, and uh, and uh, things like that. And that's where um, uh, a lot of these movies have provided people with this. They say, "Wow, well, if he can do it, I can do it. I can do and it." When, yes. And when when that type of attitude, you know, because you may not have the genetics and all this stuff. But you may have more drive behind you. You may not have uh, 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 the physique, but you may have the uh, 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 digestive process. Some people have marvelous digestion. Okay, and and uh, and you know it's 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 a luck of the draw. What what you what what your genetic combinations are passed down to you. You know, uh, but the only only way you're ever going to find out. If you can be truly good at anything, is by trying it. By trying you know? it. Yeah, That's people right. can give you a book on how to swim. They can tell you how to swim. They can show you how to swim. But you're never, ever going to swim until you jump in the water. That's that that is very, very true. Yeah. And uh, I'm finding as I get older, and, and again, this is why I'm going back and kind of revisiting my formative uh, influences as, as part of the process, is that uh, – um, you know, I'm realizing that uh, many things that have worked for me in life, I chose them because I could have chosen to do something else. <laughs> you know, but I sure. chose that. So why did why did I choose that? You know, and uh, it, the, what I'm discovering is amazing. And um, I have to thank you from the bottom of my heart because uh, your company and its products have given me hope over the years uh, as well. And you know, you're you're awesome for uh, offering the world uh, that service because it's something that people uh, need. And uh, well, I know, because I'm not making money doing this either, uh, but it, it offers a service to people and it gives them, you know, hope and encourages them. And, and again, the message is, look, somebody took their passion, whatever their passion uh, is or happens to be, and they made it a central part of their life. And they um, embodied and expressed that thing that was inside of them and got it out there into the world where it could help the, uh, other people. Um, and uh, even when I had, uh, I worked for like, the Department of Employment, the Department of Labor, um, when I had my Barbarian show, um, until September 11th, I was wandering around New York with furs and leather and a giant sword. And uh, I used to do a lot of speaking, and uh, my speaking was that if I could find a way to earn a living being how I am, and I'm very eccentric. <laughs> um, imagine what you can achieve <laughs> if you didn't want to walk around New York with a sword on my back. And I was like, for the barbarian consultant in the Department of Employment databases in New Jersey, I was for the barbarian superhero of the human services. And you could hear me pontificate in mall kiosks throughout the garden. That. I remember that. I remember when you were. I remember when you were Thor, Thor the barbarian. Oh yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. I contacted you back then uh, too. <laughs> And uh, so, uh, you know, basically, but it shows that you have been a very important person in my life. Even before I got a chance to know you, you know, as well as I know you you now, 
Um, but uh, what you do is very important. I can personally vouch for that. Well, when I originally went to school, you know, out of high school, you go to college. Back in the 60s, you know, you go to college. That was a big thing because uh, everybody had parents from the Great Depression, and they realized that if you got an education, that was key, and you could be successful and have a good standard of living. Well, you go to college, okay, and you think, okay, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Well, the only thing you know, the only profession you're really familiar with is teaching because you have a teacher every day, okay? High school, uh-huh. grade school, middle school, whatever, okay? So I thought, what the hell, what am I going to do? You know, go into business administration or uh, um, uh, teaching. So I chose teaching. Well, I come out of college, and I couldn't buy a teaching job. They just weren't any because the guys are coming back from Vietnam and mm-hmm. uh the baby boom generation was tapering off, so you had a glut of teachers and you had less children. So I didn't go into it, you know. But this is probably as close as I could I could probably get because I get calls from people from all over the world. I get letters. I still get, you know, snail mail as well as uh, emails. Every day I wake up, I've got, I wake up to 100 emails, okay? And I try to wade through them and, and answer each and every one. It's not the easiest task, you know. No, and, that's uh, not. A lot of the questions are the same over and over again, and I'm more than welcome. I'm, I'm more than happy to, uh, to I, I welcome them, and I'm more than happy to help people, you know, and uh, give, them, uh, give them direction. Sometimes, you know, you say to yourself, well, you know, somebody asks you a question, and in the back of your head, gee, why don't they know that, you know? But you have to understand when you're talking to a kid that's in his early 20s, he doesn't have the benefit of the vast experience right. that I've had at my age. And I always... Hello, Bill, are you there? I'm still here. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, we're running out of time, I noticed. Yes, we are. But uh, I wanted to let you finish uh, what you were saying, and then we'll get the contact information. Okay. Uh, what I'm what I'm saying is you'd be surprised what you know that you don't realize that you know, okay? Because you've, you've had all this knowledge over the years, and you presume that younger people know it. You know, you hear older people say to younger people, you know, wow, he's got a lot of book learning, but... He doesn't have any common sense. Common sense, Hercules, is nothing more than experience. Right. Nothing more. I've tried to get that through to people. It's experience. And the like I said earlier, if you learn how to swim, you have to experience it. You know, and that's that's the only way. Same way with training with barbells. If this routine doesn't work, uh, I don't care if Reeves used it, Park used it, Grimmick used it, Arnold, I don't care. If it doesn't work for you, then that's not the routine for you move on to another routine you will find one if you want it bad enough you just simply have to make sure that it's progressive okay that's how it goes talk about that next time uh because i'm i'm there too and i i found that many things that work for years are no longer working for me so i've been experimenting uh sometimes uh for good sometimes for not so good but i've I've been experimenting so we'll pick that up uh, next time Thank you so very much, Bill. Um, again, thank you for doing all that you've done for all the years that you've done it. Uh, as you know, you've meant a lot uh, to many people, including myself, and I'm looking forward to our next uh, conversation. Happy Thanksgiving in the meanwhile. Same to you. Have a great evening.
Bye now. Thanks. And before you go, how can people uh, go to your website and get your free newsletter? My website is www.superstrengthtraining.com. Go to my website. On every page, there's a little sign-up form. Type in your first and last name, your email address, and hit the subscribe button. You get a free daily email every day on all sorts of topics. I'm sure you're familiar with them. I'm familiar with them, and occasionally uh, I share them on my uh, um, Facebook page and put little excerpts, and in the Peplum groups, too, I put little excerpts uh, from some of your things with a link to the uh, website and telling people that they can subscribe there. Thank you very kindly. I appreciate that. My pleasure. Be well, my friend. Take care. Bye now. Bye. And thanks to everybody who joined us uh, from home. Until next time, this is Hercules Invictus and Bill Hinburn wishing you joyous journeys and amazing adventures. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. <laughs>